What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here, No Huddle Show. We're live at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm here with uh, Mike K. That's your name, right? Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can hear me breathing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Famously a loud breather. Uh, we're, we're here after the Eagles lost to the Titans 26-23 to in overtime. It was an intense game. The most, inti- I mean, the, all their games have come down to the wire, but this one was the first one where you kind of felt like they were in trouble when the, when it came down to it, right? Yeah, sure. I think it's hard to trust both the offense and the defense. It, it, when you look at these four games overall, it, even when they – in the games that they've won, you never thought felt like they were going to lose those games. In the games they lost, you're like, what team showed up? And so they're undefeated at home, defeated <laughs> at, at, on the road. And so, yeah, this just had the feeling of kind of – once they went to overtime, I still wasn't wasn't convinced that they were going to win this game. You know, we'll cover this when we – because we have a lot to talk about Doug Peterson. It was an interesting game for him. He, he kind of prides himself on – he kind of prides himself on, you know, playing to win and not – playing not to lose. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and it it felt like to n- today he was they the play calling and the decision making kind of was like more towards n- trying not to lose. They were playing it safe a lot of the time. They did take a lot of shots downfield. Carson Wentz looked really good. The protection wasn't great. There was a lot of mistakes made. There was a lot of drops like that that's all considered. But there were certain play calls that that happened throughout this game that were like this doesn't feel like the same team. I mean, we should have known this is a different team last year. That's just the reality of it. And I think if there was ever a moment where we realized that this is just going to be a different season, it, it was tonight or today yeah. or Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, yeah. <laughs> you know, this was a game that I think everybody came in very confident. And, you know, the Titans are a weird team. They, 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 they win they, ugly. They, that's the only way they win. And that's kind of been the Eagles' forte this season in their two wins. And I think the Titans kind of just beat them at their own game. I mean, they used their big-bodied wide receivers and tight ends really, really well. They were able to move the ball late and own the game late, which is something Carson Wentz has done for the majority of his career. I mean, they had that uh, towards the end of the game. I think they had like a 19-play drive, which is reminiscent of what the Eagles had against the Colts last week to win the game. Right, and, and I, I think... For the Eagles, they were they were outplayed in their own style of play, if that makes sense. You've got a mobile quarterback. You've got a guy who spreads the ball around. You have a, a defense that's able to get to the quarterback and will take risks in the secondary. And, you know, the thing is, the, the I think one of the biggest plays in this game, and we'll probably get into it more later, is Lane Johnson, who in my opinion is the best right tackle in football, getting beat pretty easily by Harold Landry. A rookie. No, 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 Harold Landry. Oh, yeah, on the, yeah, on the, oh, on yeah, the strip sack it was oh, Harold Landry. Oh, right, yeah, Harold Landry. Sorry, I was getting him confused with, with Eli Harold for something in my brain. <laughs> yeah, so Harold Landry beat him with a speed rush, just got over the around the edge. Carson didn't even fully uh, do his drop back before he got hit. And I think, you know, they were in within Eagles territory. Uh, the play happened on third and twenty from the uh, Eagles forty yard line, and you know, yeah, the defense held 
held the Titans to a field goal on the, on the next possession. But that's where the momentum started to kind of wear. And I think you look at – the Eagles had the momentum of this game in the third quarter. They built a 14-point lead in the third quarter. But, but they settled for field goals in a lot of – in the red zone in three of those trips. And that's – basically what came, what it came down to they allowed the titans to come in this game back in this game because they settled for field goals as opposed to scoring touchdowns the interesting thing was it was like the tables seriously turned because in overtime the titans lined up on fourth down to kick a 50-yard field goal i believe the eagles called timeout and then mike rabel or whoever i'm not even sure their offensive coordinator is uh but they they made a decision actually you know what let's let's go for a first down and they pretty easily got on a screen to uh Deion Lewis like a 15 yard gain a couple plays later they get the game winning touchdown like that that was a very Eagles-esque drive sure. and it, it it was as if they like exchanged personalities like some freaky friday type thing and where Mike Rabel and Doug Peterson just switched <laughs> cuz it, it it was it was just a weird cuz the Titans aren't the last couple of years, at least, on the previous coaching staff, which was pretty bland offensively, they weren't known for taking risks like that or, you know, making gutty play calls. Right. And, you know, you talk about, like, the Freaky Friday nature of it. There were so many opportunities here that the Eagles typically take advantage of. Um, you know, the running game was okay. Uh, there were some big plays. I thought Wendell Smallwood played well again. Ajay for having a broken back, he, right. he ran the ball really tough. Well, and, and, and part of me wonders, do, did they miss Corey Clement or Darren Sproles here because of how they're able to kind of extend plays um, for, for longer yardage? Like, they, there are a lot of catch-and-run opportunities yeah. in this game. And w- like. Wentz didn't really target the running. I mean, there was a play to Ajay where he got a nice catch. Right. Uh, but they generally weren't targeting the running backs, and that's probably because even though Small looked good catching the ball last week, like Darren Sproles and Corey Clement, that's them. Yeah, and, you know, they didn't take advantage. The thing that they didn't take advantage of was that in the fourth quarter was that 42-yard return by DeAndre Carter. You know, Great that play. should have been a game-breaker, and they just they still couldn't get I, out of their I own didn't, way. I didn't even think about that. I mean, that it's funny because we – we, we didn't know that Corey Clement wasn't going to play today. He was questionable like he was last week with a quad injury. We were confused why the Eagles opted to sign DeAndre Carter onto the active roster from the practice squad as opposed to Trey Sullivan to get a fourth safety in there. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But the fact that they brought Carter in, it became pretty clear that it was probably because of returns. And I think he might have just secured his roster spot the rest of the season because they haven't really been getting anything on punt returns. And he yeah. had a game – I mean, he was tackled by the punter. Like, that was the, it was the last guy there. Right. And, you know, again, this team – has to take advantage. They're not creating enough. They're not winning the turnover battles. They're either tying or they're yeah. losing the turnover battle. Penalties. Penalties. I mean, that Avante Maddox interception should have led. That's the thing. They had big plays by one or two guys that should have been game breakers. Instead, they settled for field goals. They settled for a field goal after the Carter thing. They they halftime. They set yeah the the halftime. Hey, we're gonna run the ball. There's eight seconds left, and then we're gonna take a field goal. Like to me, that just didn't make a lot of sense. Take two shots towards the end zone. Like you have one of the best red zone quarterbacks in the league, and you know they basically drained the clock during the fourth quarter. They you know when they probably should have taken some timeouts and given the ball back to themselves. They let the Titans draw down that clock, and it came back to bite them. 
I, I just to me, this game was very weird. It didn't seem like a Philadelphia Eagles offense under Doug Peterson. It didn't feel like Jim Schwartz's defense was making the the plays that they typically make. I mean, there were some sacks in this game. There was some, you know, big moments, but you've got Avante Maddox covering Corey Davis in the end zone in overtime, and that's a huge size mismatch. Avante Maddox is 5'9", maybe. Yeah, I mean, and, and Corey Davis, I believe, is 6'3 or 6'4". Uh, like, you don't want that to be the matchup. I will say this. There were some standouts in this game that really should have made the difference. We'll get, we'll get to yeah, that. We'll yeah, we'll get into that. But, like, that's the, that's what's so weird about this game yeah. is there were guys that stepped up and they made big plays. There, there was a lot of – there are a lot of positives to draw out of this For game. Sure. And I think a lot of the negatives are things that, as Doug Peter said, they are fixable. Like, the sure. offensive line is not going to play like they did every week. I mean, they, right. they have been struggling a little bit recently, but and we'll talk about that in a second. So but it's let, only really been on the yeah. road that they've struggled. No, you're right. That's a good point. I think they uh, – the, I don't have I don't have it in front of me. I think the Titans finished with, like, nine quarterback hurries and four sacks, including the strip sack one. But All right, so now let, let's let's ju- use this as a jumping off, and we can start with the offensive line since we're talking about them. Let's go break down the offense. Let's start with the offensive line. I mean – Lane Johnson, who doesn't give up sacks, <laughs> like he just doesn't. He doesn't give up pressure. He had that. He had that uh, strip sack that he gave up. Carson Wentz was constantly in peril. He was running for his life. He there was Carson Wentz has a tendency when he's being brought down to still try and because he's Carson Wentz. He wants right. to make something happen, and a lot of times that's not the right move. Where maybe you just try and throw it out of bounds, and he was trying to make plays as he's being tackled, and th- a lot of that is because there's wasn't good protection like that's just the reality you know he was the offensive line when I look at the stats right now 11 quarterback hits um you had six tackles for loss four sacks like you can't win games like that especially close ones and you know Jason Peters had to leave for a couple of plays uh Brandon Brooks left for a play but that was inconsequential. Like this was the starting lineup that was that was having a letdown, and this is supposed to be the best offensive line in the NFL, right? And you know that moniker is thrown out at random, like every <laughs> and it seems to only dwell around the AFC, the NFC East, because <laughs> the Cowboys you know, for years, the yeah. Redskins were considered one of the better offenses. You know, so like to me, this was a letdown for 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 a group that you can typically depend on, and I feel like Carson had to kind of overexert himself at times. There were some – he didn't make any bad throws. He made some questionable, questionable maybe. decisions. But it was never – like, even his bad ones weren't, like, risky, really. Like, there was even, like, towards the end, he, like, threw it up in the end zone. He threw it so nobody could intercept it, but it probably right. was out of reach of his receiver. Like, the, those are the kind of bad decisions he was making. I'd give them a C – the offensive line a C- minus for this game. Um, moving on from that, though, wide receiver – it's a very in, very interesting group to look at today. Right. So So we can even go progressively like from the start like to start the game, I believe Nelson Aguilar had a couple drops early. Yep. Uh and then he had then he also had a couple catches. Zach Ertz was catching everything. I think he had 10 catches in the first he, half. He 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 went over he I went believe, over 100 yards before yeah, halftime. Yeah, I or no, maybe Jeff, right after I believe halftime. Jeff McLean from uh, philly.com said that this was the first time that Ertz um went over 100 yards in a game since in the last two years. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. That's wild. So, and, but 
I, I gotta tell you, he's on pace to be a hundred catch guy at, at least. But like that's you know, but it, it was all for naught kind. But of. yeah, yeah. But so I, then, at some point in the first half, Jordan Matthews of all people burns, I believe, Malcolm Butler, who the Eagles didn't see in the Super Bowl, and <laughs> maybe they wish they did. I don't know. Uh, but J- Jordan Matthews had a sixty-five yard catch. 56. 56, sorry. Reverse the numbers. Uh, it was his longest catch since he had a 78-yarder from your boy Sam Bradford boy. a couple of years ago. <laughs> no, favorite he's not quarterback. my boy. He, he, is... he loves Sam. He loves oh. him. Uh, but Jordan Matthews, like, nobody saw that coming. He clearly, like, belongs now maybe. but Except a certain beat writer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but later he had he had a really bad drop in the fourth quarter that was, like, quintessential old school Jordan Matthews. I mean, that was a... Really it was really bad. bad. But Nelson Aguilar is the one to talk about here on the negative. On the positive, the one that t- we can we can touch on Aguilar more in a second. But Alshon Jeffrey returned, and he looked maybe even better than he did last year. Yeah. He had his first 100-yard game since he joined the Eagles. Yeah, you know, he said after in the locker room that he didn't feel 100%. Well, you know what? His stat sheet looked pretty good. Uh, he was targeted nine times, had eight receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. I mean, think about... Last year he had 57 catches on 120 targets. Right. Today he was eight for nine. Like that just right crazy. People, people, there are a lot of people that question if he's a number one guy. They question his ability to to change the offense. But I mean, the 31 yard catch was a beautiful ball and a great catch. The more impressive one to me is the 16-yard touchdown where he skied for the like. You have a shoulder. It was a jump injury. ball. Yeah, you, you have a shoulder injury and you're bringing this down and he. He has got such strong hands. Um, I think this offense moved a little bit better than it had in previous There was more flow, for sure. There was. The problem is it's inconsistent. And I think Jeffrey can help with that. Obviously, it's his first game back. Um, But let's talk about Aguilar now. Let's go into that. Yeah, let's go into Aguilar. We've been been really high on him all season. Uh, You've talked about especially about how you think he can be a star. He... He looked a lot more like the guy that everybody called a bust. He he had some. It was it was focus. It was bad focus. It was, there were bad drops. There yeah. was a couple plays where Wentz had him and he just didn't reel it in. Like it. It, it was, looked it was like a, 2015 it was a, Aguilar. It was a rough night for him, honestly. And I'm not. He's not. There's a lot of stuff that cost him the game, but he was certainly a factor in why they were not able to move the ball when they got into the well, Titans yeah, he territory. He had a couple of third down drops. Yeah. And you know, here's what my concern is. I thought this was a Nick Foles problem. He is not making plays after the catch at all, at all. He uh, he caught five. He was targeted twelve times today, which is ungodly. That's for a, a guy lot. That, I mean, that speaks to Carson Wentz and his trust in him and and his belief. Kept going to him, yeah. Right. Caught five passes for twenty-two yards. Jeez. Like his you, his yards per catch is really bad. This yeah. Year. Like he averaged four point four yards a catch. His long was ten. So that means that he caught three passes for and he, 12 yards. And he got targeted down the field more than anybody. You know, and that's the thing. It's like you wonder if people talk about a Super Bowl hangover and everybody kind of like laughs it off that, that it's an Eagles fan. But like this team at times looks shell-shocked. There are times where this team just doesn't know how to answer its own questions. And I don't know. I don't think it's a confidence thing. Like they're too overconfident or they're taking people – lightly or anything like that. I just think that I turned to you during the game. I said, this team misses Bo Allen. Like this team misses. The, like the, like the, the players in, in, in between, like the, the right. guys like in, on the edges. 
I think the Super Bowl hangover that you don't is, think about. Yeah. is the guy that they lost. This team misses LeGarrette Blunt. Patrick Robinson. Patrick Robinson. I mean, th- this is a team that was so stacked, even with injuries last year. They are not as stacked as I mean, they even, were. even your boy Brent Selleck, who he did the little things blocking the ball. Trey Burton. Brent Selleck probably would would have helped with the would have helped over the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, even Trey Burton, yeah, gadget sure. weapon guy that they used quite a bit in the red zone. This team played like an eight and eight team today. They've played like an eight and eight like team. like a Jeff Fisher team. If yeah, you will. well, that's a seven and nine team. But yeah. oh, touche, touche. Yeah. <laughs> touche. Okay, so so here, just briefly, because this is about the post game. But in week one, they played like a nine and seven team. In week two, they played like a six and ten team. In week three, they played like a nine and seven team. In week four, they played like an eight and eight team. You know, so. That, those aren't playoff teams in say, the NFC. Those yeah. are not playoff teams. But, 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 they have to put it, a lot. Right, but, <laughs> this team hasn't put it together because you see it in glimpses. And the second that switch turns on, that's it. Like, this team's going to have to make up for it. You're going to, uh, look, they went 2-2 two and two in the first quarter of the season. That's not terrible. Especially if, I mean, but. They should have won this game. They should have won the Buccaneers game on paper. That's it, a problem. Yeah. Like they probably should. Their loss and they and they could have lost the other two that they won. Right. Their loss. They should be three and one right now. And the loss that they should have, they actually won against the Falcons because the Falcons are a good team. I don't know where the Titans will be. They they're like the weird, they're like a unicorn. Yeah. But like Tampa just lost got like destroyed. Gave, Tampa gave up five touchdowns in the first half. To Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell, right. sorry. Now I like Matt Nagy. Don't get me wrong, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but like that but they're very similar offenses. Yeah. The Bears have a very similar offense to the Eagles. It's so West Coast based and they do a lot of the similar I mean, things. Nagy is a Andy Reid disciple and right. Doug Peters. I think they all work together. Yeah. Now you you look at this, and not to get too far ahead of us, you play Minnesota, you play the Giants, who are on always a short tough, week. On a short week, and they're always they always play you tough. Then you go to um, London. Then, then then you host Carolina. Oh yeah, Carolina is a good team. Carolina's a good team, and I'm telling you, Christian McCaffrey is going to be a freaking problem for this team if they play the way that they did today. And then you and, got London, and then, and then you got London, and Jacksonville's 3-1. and one. They bounced back from looking terrible against the same Titans team. I mean, and then at, you have the Saints later in the season. like you ha- Yeah, but like... So, yeah, the stretch coming like, up is tough. But like, you look at this next quarter of the season, and you, if you go 2-2 two and two in that one, you're 4-4 four and four heading into the home... like the second half of the season, and it doesn't get much easier. Yeah. All right, let's 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 go. I think it's the only one we have to hit now. Oh no, we still we haven't really talked about no, Wentz. So, so we talked about the receivers, the tight ends. You know, let's Dallas hit, Goddard. Let's hit, let's hit running backs. Okay, let's hit running backs. I thought JHI never got the opportunity to really kind of settle in. Yeah. The back end, he left for a couple of plays uh, and actually a whole series. I don't know if that was due to injury or just they wanted to give Wendell some some reps, but Josh Adams was barely involved. I think he was in on two plays. He didn't get any touches. Yeah. Um. Smallwood is better than a lot of people think he is. I mean, shoot, he, he had five carries for 39 yards, 7.8 yards per carry. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. That's that's why I think when I say this team played like a like a 9-17 or an 8-8 eight eight team, you're seeing guys emerge. It's just they're not where they – like, they're not being used to where they've emerged yet. And so I think you look at a guy like Avante Maddox, who we'll talk about later, but Smallwood played well today, and I think there's some momentum there. Yeah, and – 
I mean, Ajayi ran the ball really strongly, and he ran it with power, and he he looked pretty good. He had some big runs in overtime, uh, though he did lose yards on that last drive before they settled for a field goal. But, I mean, he, he looked okay. He'll be better when he has guys like Corey Clement and Darren Sproles to compliment him, I think. I'll say this. I'm concerned. Because if he, I turned to you again during the game, and I you turned to me a lot. I noticed. Yeah, I do. It's because I, I always like to look left. That's my better side. Um, Jay didn't look healthy in this game. You know, he normally runs upright, and that's his style. He was kind of hovering a little bit. I mean, there were there were times where he he had that great spin move where he got the first down. But outside of that, he just really kind of looked, not lethargic, but like very um, out of touch, out of place. Uh, And I don't know if you address it. You know, the Le'Veon Bell stuff's out there, and we'll talk about that later in the week. But, like, JHI does not look that healthy. And if he's going to be like this all season, they need to add a guy. Yeah. It's not going to cut it with the guys they have. That's that's fair. All right, let's talk about the most important one is Carson Wentz. Um, We talked a lot. A lot of them reason why maybe he wouldn't get an A-plus has less to do with him than the guys that made mistakes around him. You know, like like you said, he was he was running for his life all day, but he, he finished 33 of 50, the most pass attempts he's had since his rookie year. When 66% he had, too. Yeah, 66% when he had, I think, 60 attempts against the Bengals. Uh, 348 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think he looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, some of those throws, there wasn't like any, he didn't have any like, Amazing, amazing throws where you're like Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe. But he he was really good today. I thought for three quarters. For three quarters, yeah. His first, like they had opportunities. Yeah, they had a lot of he had a lot of incompletions in that he fourth was, quarter. He was he was bad. I think the first quarter. I ended up giving him a B for the overall game. I didn't think he was that uh, that great in the red zone. Um, he did have the one throw to Jeffrey in the open field, though. There were some throws he made to Zach Ertz and to um, and to Alshon Jeffrey that were, I mean, vintage Carson Wentz. If I don't know if he's old enough for you to call him vintage, <laughs> vintage, but Carson's a really good quarterback, and he shook off the rust. And I'm hoping that that means that against the Vikings. He's a guy, too, that I think sometimes plays up to his competition, if that makes sense. Um, but, look, I think he's going to be up for this Vikings game. He's going to be ready to go. He didn't get to play them the last time. Right. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, too, is he's going to be judged by how he plays following that Super Bowl. While he is unquestionably a better quarterback than, than Nick Foles, Nick Foles did tear the Vikings apart. In the NFC title, I mean, game. it seems like they're still feeling the after effects because they they haven't their defense has been a mess. Yeah, well, which is crazy to and think. You have the opportunity to essentially knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, really, they're, they're one, two, and one, I believe, yes. right now. Yeah, yeah. They lost so, on Thursday to the Rams. They gave up like a billion yards. Yeah, I'm I'm isolating. I'm trying to get Nelson Aguilar against Anthony Barr as much as possible, uh, and and forcing those mismatches. But anyway, all right, let's, let's flip let, over to the defense. Defense. Let's start with the defensive line. Uh. Early, they they were looking really good early. Mm-hmm. I uh, think Alodi Nada had the best game of his. Of he had, his he had a sack later. late in the game that didn't wind up doing anything right. in reality, but it was it was key, especially because you didn't you don't really expect Nada to make those plays at this stage of his career. But early in the game, uh, Michael Bennett I think had three pressures and four plays, and one of them was a sack. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. So and Fletcher Cox was just destroying dudes as he always does in the middle. I think as the game wore on, they clearly were getting fatigued, which is kind of a concern because. 
Last year, their whole thing was they were constantly shuffling those guys, right. so they, that never happened. Like, they never had the that endurance. problem. So now you're kind of starting to see that they're playing more right now, especially Fletcher Cox, as you wrote about this week. I don't know if he specifically was wearing down by the end, but the defensive line, they just weren't getting pressure. They were clearly, like, lagging along by the end of that game. So, again, I talk about 8-8, eight and eight, playing like an 8-8 eight eight team, playing like a 9-7 team, and guys emerging um, as my rubber phone scrapes against this surface. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um <laughs> Michael Bennett played so well in that first half. Like, he was a menace. Like, those weren't just normal pressures. Like, he was he was beating guys. He had he, – in, in one series, you, you brought up the two pressures and then the sack uh, because that's how it will go down in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, beat his, his, he beat his assignment clean three times in, like, five plays. He was that drive. Like, he got them off the field. Um, and I think he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable in that wide nine and moving around. Derek Barnett is really good. Yeah, he looked really good, too. I, I think we need to start, like, acknowledging that Derek Barnett is... He's, a, he's becoming what we talked about even back when Elliott was still here. We, we talked about how important this season was for him because they kind of need him to become the face of that defensive line. I, I mean, defensive ends, I should say, because right. Fletcher Cox is the face. Because Brandon Graham's going to be a free agent this offseason, and I'm not sure they're going to bring him back. Well, and Chris Long could and Chris retire. Long could retire. Michael Bennett could retire and or Maloney be released. Nada could retire. Like, so Derek Barnett, it, there's a, they have a lot a riding on him. He's a piece, in my opinion. Like, he, he is winning not just because of talent. He's, he's winning uh, from, like, a technique standpoint, which is really good because that's sustainable. Um, I'd like to see Josh Sweat out there a little bit more because I think that guy has incredible upside. If they but, feel like he's not ready to go out right, there, right, obviously. Put him out there, yeah. Um, but I think the defensive line played relatively well. It's just they did, like you said, look gassed. I mean that that long drive, the uh, overtime. You could, t- especially like Brandon Graham in particular. He, he, to be fair, for his credit, he did start way later than everybody else. Mm-hmm. He didn't play his preseason game, and he didn't even practice until like late in the preseason. So I, it kind I of he actually had a relatively good. He did, but you know, he game. he was one in particular I noticed was kind of lagging uh, at the end there, and I think that's probably why they haven't been giving him as many snaps these last couple weeks. I think as the season goes along, he'll be okay. But yeah, I, from a well, line yeah. from a linebacker perspective, excuse me. Um, I thought Bradham had some good moments. I thought he had some bad moments. I thought uh, Hicks did really well as a blitzer. Um, but overall, I mean... Not much to talk about there, there Not much yeah. to talk about. That, uh, I feel like that's kind of been with the linebackers. They haven't done anything really bad, but they've right, been solid. They, exactly. They've been solid. And I think Jordan Hicks is really important to this defense. Um, when I haven't always necessarily been his biggest advocate. At corner... This, we, this is a discussion we need to have yeah, right now. So, yeah. yeah, and this is a longer discussion because... Sh- Schwartz has always taught his. I mean, since he was even in Tennessee, he wants his corners to play off because he wants to. He doesn't want to give away the big play. You're playing the wide nine, which opens you up for certain things, and you need to have the run support. I don't know if he's going to have to change that because he does not have corners with catch up speed. Like Jalen Mills is getting beat, be, not not, and he's like ten yards off. Uh, I think Darby had an okay game. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he was He's not good. a very good tackler, I would say. No, he is not. Um, Sidney Jones is pretty good again, though he did get beat on, on a touchdown. touchdown. Uh, but, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's kind of a rookie, so I... He is. The, he, like, everything's gravy with him right now, I think. But I yeah, think I Jal- jinxed half these guys. I wrote about him. <laughs> yeah, like, right. You gotta stop writing about dudes. Uh, right, but uh, Jalen Mills, in particular, um, 
he's obviously been a lightning rod for criticism well, amongst his fan base. Well, uh, I think last week the criticism was a little unfounded. He had some bad uh, passenger, one bad pass interference. The other one was maybe questionable. Right. Yeah. Today he just he was just getting beat. He just didn't have a good game. Yeah. He um. He and got, he had another penalty too. I mean, got, that one was a little questionable he again. He got beat for 28 yards, and then he got beat for 51 yards. Corey Davis Corey was Davis. just beating him. And Corey, I don't think Corey Davis is necessarily like a fast guy either. No, but he's he's kind of got like a to like I was talking yeah, yeah, to John yeah. Davenport about it. He's got a to factor to him. He's he's got good size. He uses it well. He he's able to. Run this might have been the best well. game of his career so far. Yeah, I mean, the game-winning touchdown, too. Um, the pass interference calls come with the aggressive play that Schwartz preaches. Uh, preaches yeah. But, like, he's been flagged three times for 71 yards in the last two games. That's a lot of yardage. Like, that's a good stat line for a wide receiver. Yeah. You know, so, look. I'm not going to advocate for Rasul Douglas at this point, but at some point, give the, some give the guy point, some snaps. At some point, you need to you need to create a rotation or something because Darby will give up his occasional play. Mills, when Mills loses in coverage, he loses badly. Um, when he wins, like which happens pretty often, but this is you know this is a macro position. You know, if you lose, like if you, if you mess up one play, that could be a bad game for you. That's how people view it. Um, like Avante Maddox, I thought played really, really well. He gave up the game-winning touchdown. You know, um, he'll we'll talk about him with the safeties. I just I don't know what you do at corner. I, I don't know because, you know, the group that I'm most concerned about is running back right now. Now that Jeffrey's back. And Howie's a magician, but how many trades can this guy make? And there's not a lot out there at the cornerback position. So are you going to take your lumps? I know Schwartz loves Mills, but at what point do you say, hey, we need to create a rotation? Because I don't think you bench him. I think he's too good of a tackler, and I think uh, his run support is very much needed. But Rasul Douglas, every time that guy's on the field, he makes a play. And you're going to eventually hear, we want Douglas or we want Rasul. It's going to be like... It might a, already be there, for, yeah, to be honest. For, you know, I my uh, shout out to my uh, brother-in-law's brother, Paul, who texted Brother-in-law's me. brother. Yes, got it. Because okay. <laughs> I don't think he's technically my brother-in-law. Paul, if you're listening to this, I got your text messages about <laughs> Jalen Mills not being good. Oh, I, get, got, I, I get those too. <laughs> I get that every game. Every game. My Even my dad, who doesn't even like text me much during the game, would be like... Jalen Mills needs to go. Paul only <laughs> texts me to tell me that Jalen Mills is bad. Um, but, look, this Vikings game to me is a big one for him. Because he's going to go up against... Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and if Steph, if, if he's on Stefan Diggs, this is going to be a problem. I mean, Thielen's great, too. Like, they're, you, oh, it's a, a pick your poison... Stud. Like, you might want to move Sidney Jones outside. Like, I wasn't for that before this week. Or have him follow one of those guys or something. Right. I mean, you're going to have to move things around. They play sides in the Eagles' defense, and I think that's going to be a really big problem for them. Yeah. Um, Let's move over to safety. Of course, Rodney McLeod out for the season. Mm -hmm. They didn't sign anybody. Corey Graham started for him. I think they pretty clearly missed Rodney McLeod because he kind of was the guy that – he was at he was at the back of the secondary, kind of cleaning up mistakes that guys would make. 
Oh wow, Earl uh, Thomas is out for he has a leg fracture. He's yeah, probably he, out for the season. Yeah. Uh, so the Eagles aren't trading for Earl Thomas. So if you thought I was about to start talking about how they should trade for Earl Thomas, you well, can. Well, it's <laughs> great that this happened while we were talking about safety, so we didn't have to completely read. Yeah. You know. But uh, t- focus on the game for a second. Like they, I think they pretty clearly missed McLeod. I don't think Corey Graham is as good at the things that Rodney McLeod is good at. And I think pretty clearly moving... I mean, Avante Maddox was impressive, and I was kind of, it was kind of surprising that he was the guy they went with as, like, the Corey Graham replacement. Mm-hmm. He did pretty good, but I don't know. You can have a... If you have a guy in the back you believe and trust in, like, a Rodney McLeod, I think you can handle those mistakes that Mills makes a little bit better. Well, I think McLeod... The way Jenkins... Malcolm Jenkins kind of, like... Psh- describe the way they game plan. They game plan differently for every single team. And it's pretty apparent, too, in those first three games. The problem is you've got, like, an ace in the hole with McLeod because he was playing so well at free safety, but he also allows you to move Graham around. He allows you to move Jenkins around. You can't move guys around anymore. You can't. So and, like and those guys are at their best when they're being moved around. Right. So, like, Graham's put in a position where – you know, at 33 years old, he's going to be lined up against a slot receiver. Or he's going to be lined up against a big tight end. That's not always beneficial for this defense. Avante Maddox, I thought, played really well up until the overtime. But, you know, this how much can you realistically expect of him? This is the first game he's ever gotten with actual defensive snaps. Um, I wasn't surprised that he was the, the, the fix because a lot of people subliminally kind of mentioned him. Oh, I think Avante could step up. Like, they, they never really were, like, conclusive about it, but, like, they kind of tipped their hand. I think, look, Rasul Douglas isn't moving to safety. It's become pretty clear. I mean, they, they were pretty adamant about that before the season. Right. I think every time this crops up, people are like, oh, maybe they'll do it now. But I think they're pretty committed to developing him as an outside corner. But that's what's so frustrating, right? Is that Rasul Douglas is probably. But like, they're not playing him as an outside right, corner. They're not playing him at all. Yeah. It's like that's the that's the issue. Yeah, did he play tonight? Maybe special teams, but. Yeah, he played on special teams. But not on defense, though, right? I didn't see him. I on guess we'll we'll find out when we see the snap counts later. Yeah, but, but like, come, you've got to put good young players on. He's not benefiting from just playing special teams. Like this is a kid with actual talent. Like it's not like he's just a guy that could be a career special teams player. This kid's a. You know, Douglas can play, and he's shown it. Last year, yeah, there were hiccups, but he played pretty well. He had a start in place of Rasul Douglas. So you go from playing, you know, these guys, and then you've got Sidney Jones coming back, and Rasul gets passed over consistently. You've got to create a way to get that guy on the field because the turnovers aren't coming like they used to last year. They're just not. And part of that is you don't have guys that are like ball hawks. Ronald Darby had a career high last year in interceptions, and he had an interception in week one, but cool. Like, that's he's not a guy that's going to get him in droves. Asante, I mean, uh, Avante Asante, Maddox. Asante Samuel? Yeah, although the, he kind of reminded me with the way he was juking guys at the interception. <laughs> yeah. Avante Maddox, um, that was kind of like not a fluke interception, but it was a really bad overthrow. You know, it wasn't like he, he like, made the play on the ball. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, you, you've got, uh, who else? Has, what's their third interception that they have on the season? Um, can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, anyway, the point is, is they don't have guys that consistently make plays on the ball and that's going to bite them. Like them losing possession on their own 40 
yeah, they only held him to a field. Yeah, they still held him to a field goal. But man, like this defense is not getting the ball back to to the I mean to the offense. It's just not happening, and that happened so often last year. And you begin to see it, like the the lack of turnover ability in the Super Bowl. They went forever without a turnover. Yeah, I know it's Tom Brady, but then finally Brandon Graham got the sack fumble, picked up by Derek Barnett, and then. You know, well, you know what happened. They raised a banner. Oh, but, uh, oh interesting. Like, that's what's so frustrating to me. And that's kind of why I think a lot of these games have been really lukewarm, probably from a fan perspective and probably from our perspective, is guys are not creating turnovers. This defense should be creating turnovers with the pass rushers they have and, and the the DBs and linebackers that they have. It's just, to me, this is really one of the reasons why they're struggling so much. Yes. All right. We got to get going, but before we do, let's just touch on the special teams real briefly. Oh, yeah. J- Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott made all three of his field goals. He seems like he seems to have fixed his bug of making uh, missing short-range field goals, but he hasn't made any long-range ones. But he made one at the end of regulation. He made one in overtime, and he, and he made one before halftime. Cameron Johnston had a duck of a punt earlier. He didn't have a gr- his best game. Yeah, that was... Uh, and then return-wise, as we mentioned earlier, DeAndre, DeAndre Carter, Carter, pretty clearly is their best punt returner. Uh, solid, special teams are solid. I mean, Yeah, they were. I yeah. mean, they made plays. Um, you know, from here, though... If Once Sproles comes back, it'll, it'll look even better. Right, and I think Sproles... This was a game that they missed Sproles, for sure. Um, you know, I don't know if he makes a huge difference in that Bucks game, but this game they miss Sproles, and I. There's so many guys that have not are not on this team anymore that were so influential in that Super Bowl run, and it's like, you don't have that here. There isn't the same feeling I would assume too. I mean, obviously you and I didn't cover them last year, but it's just watching them, and I watched them from afar. Believe me, the last two years, it's just I I don't know. I, I don't. I'm kind of puzzled if that makes sense. Because I don't know what I can't put my finger on it. It's the lack of the turnovers. It's the making stupid mistakes. They have been penalized a ton, and I don't know if it's a discipline thing. I just think it's they're playing careless football at times, or they're gassed, or they're they don't. I mean, remember we talk. You and I talk about this all the time. They didn't really have a full off season. Yeah, it's like when you talk about like rookies who immediately are thrust in, you know, they got the combine experience. They have all that stuff and they don't have to experience their first off season until the next season. And then that's partially why they, they play so well. I'm wondering if it's just, you know, even the Patriots, I mean, they, they won big today against the dolphins, but they started off sluggish. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe this next quarter of the season, they play up to their competition. They're playing a bunch of, Playoff contenders in in Minnesota and Carolina and Jacksonville, and their one one kind of down opponent is a team that plays them extremely well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll end on that note. Uh, tough loss, but it's, we have a tough stretch ahead, as we mentioned, and we'll we'll end on that note. So as I, remember, you got to subscribe to our podcast. We're on all the apps: iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Read all of our stories on nj.com slash eagles. We have a lot of good stuff on there for you and a lot coming this week. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, ask us questions, and thanks for listening, guys.